recorded live. Well, hello, this is uh, Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth. One man's journey to find it, and I found it in the Word of God and my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, today, you know, uh, well, this will be the, the first interview I've had with anybody since Biz, uh, Keith Hansen. I've uh, been doing a lot of reading so on the show, but uh, we have special guest, first time, uh, William Ramsey, and uh, we're sure we're going to be talking about his new book, and you see, uh, the new book is Alistair Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity, and you see, uh, William, first of all, thank you for joining me. Um, you have, was it? Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a real, it's a privilege. Thank you, my part. Uh, you see, so you have three. Is it three books on Alistair Crowley or four? I can't remember. Plus, you had the one on. I'm, I kind of have a smaller book. I have three books that. Well, first one was Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, nine eleven in the New World Order. That covers Crowley's um, impact upon nine eleven and uh, kind of the third millennium since Christ. And then my second is Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three case, which involves Crowley, but also a lot of the occult. And then I also did one called Alistair Crowley, a visual study, which a lot of pictures kind of covering Crowley. And then my most recent book is following really, it involved, I covered a little bit of Crowley, but I also, you know, uh, tried to trace what his effect upon the 20th century and the modern age. So that's Alistair Crowley's shadow. Yeah, gentlemen like uh, uh, Kinsey and Hubber and... Oh, so many people. Bill Wilson from AA, <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know if you know much about that, but I've done some Not studies. really, but I've heard that, yeah, that he was uh, uh, inter- interested in the occult. Oh, absolutely. And I'm somebody, it was somebody who was an AA back in the day. I was Mr. I was an AA guru one time, seven years, and started meetings and all that, only to find out later that it's all based on uh spiritual formation and so the Jesuits and uh and um the occult and Satanism he was heavily influenced by Crawley and the the diary the diary of a drug fiend and if you look at the coinage that the AA members use or that I used before, you know, like every year you get a a token, a, a coin or a medallion, if you will, with a uh Triangle within a circle, and a circle in the middle. And of course, you probably know a little bit about that, right? With well, Crowley, it's like some kind of divining thing, right? Yeah, yeah they use that to divine spirits, yeah. And then Crowley, he has a, uh, you know, oh gosh, that one thing is a, well, he himself he had AA. I can't remember. I can't think of it right offhand what it stands for. The and, Astrum Argentum. Thank you. That was the Silver Star. Yeah, and two capital two A's. A's. Together, so it's two A's is the number of magic. So. And that's what you find on these AA under the um, the medallion or the that they have that they gave you. So. And I'm thoroughly convinced that it led me down a very dark path, and I think it does to a lot of people. Anyways, we'll talk about it later, uh, if you want to. Uh, but uh, William said he would agree with me reading some out of a Ephesians, and I think it would be good to read some of the Word of God before we get into this very dark subject and uh, remember what the solution to all this is, which was against our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And so, 
starting with uh, Ephesians 5, um, uh, we'll say, let's, let's start with 6. Yeah. I'm going to go with 5. You could do the whole thing, actually, but uh, let's start with 5. So Ephesians 5, 5. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And we're going to be talking about the children of disobedience, aren't we? Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye now, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But in all things that ye reprove are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And then we're going to go and carry on into uh, chapter 6 and talk a little about taking on the armor of God and what is the answer to all this that we're dealing with in this fallen world. Okay, we'll start here of 7. Verse 7, with good will doing service as the Lord and not of men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, for forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, and neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on you the whole armor of God, that ye be able to withstand the evil day, doing, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And... Um, 
Yes. And so anybody who wants to, you know, me and Larry Phelps, we did a show. Actually, I did have, I did did a show. Somebody was, Larry, I did do a Bible study with him. And we did one last night on this particular chapter, Ephesians 6. And if you read about all the stuff we're talking about, girding, uh, uh, having your loins girded up with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness, but we know Christ is the truth. The only righteousness out there is Christ, the gospel of peace of Jesus Christ. Um, the shield of faith can only come from our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. The ability to quench the fiery darts of the wicked only can come from the Lord Savior Jesus Christ. Salvation comes from faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to be protected from the evils of this world, there is only one person, and it's not you, and it's not I, but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. With that, thank you, William. Thank you for allowing me to do that. I, 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 if I heard in one of your most recent uh, interviews that you go to the, like a Presbyterian church. Is that That's correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, um, well, then, you know, Presbyterians have some pretty sound doctrine, I'm discovering. So. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have, uh, I'm not having much luck where I'm at, you know, um, finding a church that's really, well, you know, I just, I have a five-year-old son, so I go to a church called uh, McCord, Christian uh, McCord Road Christian uh, Church or Community Church. So I like the pastor Andy, although he, you know, he's a guy from Harvard and went to Harvard and all that. But he's so awesome. I have good theological discussions with him, and so. But as far as sound teaching goes, I discovered that the best place to find it is actually in the Word of God. Finding yeah. being with other people and men in particular that actually believe in the Word of God and aren't afraid of what it actually has to say. Regardless of how unpopular it might be at times, so, so uh, yeah, yeah. Where do we go? Let's uh, let's expand a little more on your your most recent book, because you know one of the things for those who will tune in this evening and those who will listen in the future, most of you uh, will probably be in the future. That uh, William is uh, he self publishes all his books, so. Um, one of the things I want to make sure is that people are interested in getting one of your books so they know exactly where to get them and um, how you can you, everyone can benefit the most from it. So, Well, most of all my books are sold. If you want a signed copy, you can go to occultinvestigations.com. And two of my books are on uh, Amazon right now, so you can get it through them as well. But my most recent book I will probably only distribute through my website, which is Occult Investigations. All right. For a variety of different reasons. And I'm looking at the Amazon, the one that you have of yours, and they have like an abomination, devil worship, and deception of the West Memphis Meth- uh, Three. Uh, and right next to it, of all things, is uh, our old friend in this show, I think the last show he ever did before he passed away. I don't know if you know. Did you, did you ever meet Dave or talk to Dave McGowan? Of course, yeah, I did a I did a video with him about the West Memphis Three. There's a on the Ed Opperman report. He and I were on the same show talking about the West Memphis Three. Did and I actually that? met him in person. I was I went to one of his book sightings at Talk Soup in uh, L.A. For oh yes, yes, that was 13. one of the, that was last year, right? Yeah, so right there at the end, yeah, right right before he got his diagnosis, actually. So. And he passed away back in uh, December. So yeah. He was like he was a good man. I, I definitely will miss him. So weird scenes inside the canyon. It is an interesting uh, that 
both of your books are next to each other. I tell you what, there's two authors. If you want to understand a little bit about your world, get some of the books. Get a, a couple of the books from. Did you the, ever? Um, did you ever interview Victor Thorne? I have not. Do you know who that is? Yes, but I don't know him that well. So, but well, he well, died. He's committed suicide. He, he uh, supposedly committed suicide. He committed suicide. No, it wasn't the way. Increase. I know that name from this week. That's where I know it from. How do I know? He, he used to actually had done interviews with uh, Viz. Right. I, I wonder what Viz's take on it is. But uh, he was a Clinton researcher. Right. Well, how do I know his name? What What is it from? What is uh, let's see. What books has he ever done? Nine Eleven. He did something about. He wrote tons of stuff about the Clintons. Clinton about murder, about their corruption. I think it was Hillary and Bill, the murder volume. Hillary and Bill, the drugs volume. Did you Did you just mention his name on an interview recently? No, I don't oh. think I've talked about it. I think he died within the last month or so. But uh, he didn't commit suicide, or did he? That's what they said. That's well. I mean, he said himself that he would never commit suicide. So I don't know. He kind of a young. He's a little older. Than, a little older than us. Yeah, Clinton research. Or okay. No, I know I've heard his name from something. I, I from somewhere. He's been I, around. He's done a lot of interviews. You know, I know he's interviewed with Viz. He's he's done a lot of talk shows. So. Oh. I think that was from an email from Viz. I think they just had some kind of talk about that. I believe so, it. Yeah, I think he, yeah, that's interesting that you just said, what is Viz's take on that? I think he sent an email, you know, one of those to the, right. and I think that's what he was talking about. I wonder I wonder if you could read that. I'm, I'm curious to think what he thought. Yeah, I'll look into it for a little bit. But uh, let's, you tell us more about your book before, and I'll look into it. Well, the uh, you know my book, uh, Children of the Beast, my most recent one, is really about Crowley. It's about his influence upon the 20th century. Crowley was born 1875, died 1947, never really worked. He was a child of a wealthy family. His inheritance, like in today's terms, was like $20 million, a significant amount of money that he blew through. But... Uh, doing so he really just wrote tons of uh, occult manuscripts and did all types of research he was interested in communicating with spirits and doing magical workings and uh, he left a repository of all of this writing that a lot of people have been influenced by Crowley himself hated Christianity he wanted to destroy it he wanted to create his own religion he called it Crowleyanity he told uh, somebody he knew that in a hundred years from me now Humanity will be basking in Crowleyanity. So, in some ways, he was tr- he was correct. A lot of people adhered to his ideas of unrestricted drugs, sexual relations, um, kind of this idea of magic, uh, kind of the self do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. So do what your will. And uh, so I tried to kind of categorize this the the arc of Crowley upon people who knew him to people who were influenced by him. So I cover. Some of the early uh, early people who Crowley knew, such as people that aren't really commonly known in public, in the in kind of bandied about, but J.F.C. Fuller, Israel Regardi, Augustus John, these kind of early people who were around Crowley. The interesting thing about J.F.C. Fuller is that he was one of two Englishmen who was invited to uh, Hitler's birthday party, Hitler's 50th birthday party, and uh, 
you know, that was kind of a, an interesting event where his uh, JSC Fuller's ideas actually influenced the German high command in their ideas of massed armored uh, vehicles. And, and in some ways, Crowley's disciple, JSC Fuller, uh, influenced the Germans and, and basically influenced the German victories of World War II. Hmm. And so, yeah. So, you know, I talk about <clears throat> other people, Gerald York, a guy by the name of Charles R. R. Camel, who wrote a biography about Crowley. But the interesting thing about Camel is he had a son who sat on Crowley's knee. And this guy went on to become kind of a famous director. He did a number of, of films that involved people like Mick Jagger. And uh, he he actually directed videos for U2. So his son, uh, and he also kind of hung out with other people who were influenced. The guy's name was Donald Camel, but he hung out with people hold, like... Hold on a second. Uh, he did directed videos for who? U2. Oh, a band, the band, yeah, the, the, the uh, <laughs> I, mean, I think every, was, I think if you gotten the same impression that I am getting after all this is that in order to even make it, quote unquote, big in this world, you'd have to literally sell your soul to the devil. I wouldn't be surprised for all those people. People ask me that question all the time, and I think that a lot of the people who are famous have made some bargain through a secret society or you know, done something for them, themselves. Well, that, yeah, I mean, you got Bono, and he's pretending to be the devil, and he's, you know, singing with the Upside Down Cross in the one video from way back when, when they did that. Uh, and and all the, the symbology in their a couple of last latest tours, if you look at their videos, some of their, I mean, it's nothing but occultic video, uh, symbology just everywhere. I mean, they don't even yeah. hide it. Yeah. I mean, oh, they yeah. get, I mean, I mean, yeah, all the main stars today all have kind of a cult symbology in their videos or in their art. So it's not surprising at all that it would be that, you know, these people sold out or did some kind of made some agreement to become famous or become liked. I mean, I think I've talked to a lot of musicians and music stars, and they all say that there's all kinds of occult stuff that goes on behind the scenes, initiations and weird behavior and stuff like that. So, it's absolutely, it's, it's absolutely, you know, eyes wide, I, eyes wide shut stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, as a, I was a musician for a very long time myself. So, and I've had a chance to kind of rub shoulders with some of these, you know, you know, my generation, well, it's, you're, you're my generation. Yeah. I don't know if, were you into the punk scene at all back in the eighties? No, not really. I mean, I listened to some punk, but no. Well, I was, so. I was in the hardcore punk, so all the stuff coming out of Washington D.C., which of course Henry Lowen comes from, and um, and yeah, all the anybody's made it big. In fact, uh, that I know, they all have a very dark side, let's put it that way, and they don't even hide the fact that they're Satanists. Interesting. You what know, do you think I, about Harry, Henry Rollins? Did I he? Think, uh, yeah, I think he is one of the biggest creeps you'll ever meet in your life. Really? Have you met him? Very, very prideful, very arrogant, and I know when he talked about the band that we were in, he just said he he thought they were a well his his words that you're a bunch of uh, blankets. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he was he was a you know he you know he'll blame his rough background and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't think, think he had a rough background. I heard he comes from a privileged family in D.C. I think I heard that that was all hey, made that's up. That's not his real name. No. Henry Rollins is not his real name. And he showed up for the Black Flag after the the, the lead singer, the, the first one, dies. Right. Yeah. I just he don't. He was the second singer. That's interesting. 
Well, you know that he's a huge West Memphis Three supporter, right? Absolutely, you know, along with Johnny Depp and all those. Oh, other. Have you seen the black the Black Sun tattoo on the back of Henry Rollins? <clears throat> I have not seen that, but there seems to be an awful lot of folks that like to wear uh, sport that thing. Yeah, that's Eccles has the same kind of Black Sun tattoo on his back. But check out the internet. Let's see if I can send it to you. Let's see if I. I got something worse to tell you if you're willing to hear it. I'm only go for it. Okay, so now uh, this now how much you understand something that I'm not not knocking Roman Catholics. My sister's a Roman Catholic. My brother's a Greek Orthodox. I'm not knocking them. This has nothing to do with Roman Catholics. Is there a chat room for this conversation? Uh, yeah. What where, what's the what's the? I don't know. Is any in there? Well, then I can post it. Will it take? Will it take um, pictures or take? Can you post links on there? Yeah, you can. Is that you, Token? Token? Token. Who's that? I know somebody new. Uh, is that you? No. Okay. I don't know. What's the address? It's just. WD. Oh. This, for this, if you want to get on the chat room, um, you're going to have to. You're, you, know, you know the best thing to do? Yeah. It's just email it to me, and then I will send it to people later. I'll put it on the information box oh, okay. of the show afterwards, okay? Okay. Yeah. So please do that. Uh, but, yeah, but, oh, I don't know if I should go down this road. Go for it. That black, okay, I want you to look up, while we're doing this, if you're willing to, look at Black Sun. I'm talking about Jesuits now, not talking about the same thing. I really have come to that these a lot of these guys in the Jesuits are high. Oh, yeah, the Jesuit symbol, the black sun? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, but now I want you to look a little. Uh, <clears throat> black sun, and, you know, because you know how the, the Satanists, and you're going to think this is a stretch. I know you're going to think it's a stretch. Are you, you know, surprised? You, I, I found you know how they, they write words and backwards and cryptic and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So you're like, the Jesuit symbol, the black, the Jesuit black sun symbols, look at it. And I want you to say, and the people are going to tell you that that Isis horse set with a cross. Now uh, there are, uh, there are very dark forces within the Jesuit order, right? And it has. Well, a, isn't the Black Pope a Jesuit? Yes, and you can see and see pictures of like them doing their Hitler salutes and all that. Well, the Hitler, I mean, the SS was based on based on the Jesuit order, so it shouldn't be a surprise that those guys had a black sun, you know. Yeah, and but I want you to look at that and get us another thing. And now think of flip it around. It's S H I T. That's what they're saying. They're putting their finger up in the air to our, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they don't even hide it. Now you're going to say that's too coincidental. No, no, that has to be Isis Horse. What does Isis Horse set have anything to do with Jesus Christ? Nothing. No. I thought it stood for in hoc something, in hoc. Yeah. Sarite or something. Like yeah, that. something in the Yeah, uh, but think about that. With that hate, and with the celebrating the nails, and you say, Mike, you're stretching it. Am I? I don't know. You don't have to accept what I have to say, but I just that's just to think about it because it's really dark, and it's dark sun, and there's an awful lot of people 
and the dark arts that their whole agenda is to make a mockery of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think that's why they wear crosses, too. They're Satanists, but they wear crosses just to kind of mock it, like it doesn't mean anything to them, or they're above it. So we go back to this whole thing about the, uh, you know, the, the black sun that they, that Colin Crow, uh, Henry, Rollins, Henry Rollins was wearing. And does Johnny Depp wear that as well? Or does well, he it's just rumored that both Marilyn Manson and Johnny Depp have that tattoo on their back, but nobody's got a picture of it. So this is why I, I say that you almost you do have to sell your soul to the devil if you're going to make it big in this world because you got Johnny Depp, you got Henry Rollins, you got Marilyn Manson. These are people that have been pushed through the mainstream media, which I really believe at this point is the Satan's altar. I really do believe the television is. I mean, I turned it off five years ago and I don't watch it at all. I think it makes me sick just even hearing it. Um, I'm not saying anybody else should do what I should do, but uh, I am so grateful that I turned it off. The amount of peace I have since I've turned off that uh, television and even mostly most of the radio, um, it just... Uh, in fact, I can proudly say that I have a five-year-old son who was just born last week. I mean, it was just born. He was born. He was his fifth... Uh, birthday was last. Then was this week. It's still this week, um, and uh, five years. And I've raised him by myself two thirds of his life since he's been born. And I can probably say I've never watched a moment of television with him. Oh, that's great. Good for you. Yeah, and it, not that there was anything much to brag about, but you know, except the fact that, you know, I see my son when we when we go to somewhere like the park or to the public pool or whatever my son is so much more dynamic than all the rest of kids around him his own age and even older kids because he's been socialized he's not been zombified you know what i mean right you know can you stare at that the mind with that that those flickering <laughs> lights and that and the imagery and all that it just it, it really does dumb you I oh, was I, I was raised by this uh, Satan's altar. I hate to, to tell you that. I mean, I you know, although I grew up a Mormon, the truth is, television and the radio and MTV raised me. And so, so by the time I was, uh, and, you know, I was a junior in high school, all the thing I wanted to be was a bass player in a band. You know, and and so. And I know an awful lot of guys in my situation, so it's really quite... You know, and I'm not saying that music's terrible. I'm just saying that, you know, it was a very cruel social experiment, to say the least. And doesn't Crowley have anything to do with this and the rest of these guys, you know, Hubbard and all these other guys? <laughs> what do they have to do with all this? Uh, well, I just think here? that they're, they're, they wanted to create a new society. You know, I think that that's really what it was, the age of Horus, not the age of what they called the age of Osiris, you know. So I think that they thought on very broad terms, particularly Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard, and Aleister Crowley about making total social change, you know, in conformance with what they thought was the ideal society. Even Hitler, too. Hitler and Crowley had very similar ideals, believe it or not. And I include a part about Hitler in my book. Hitler was 
uh, in one of his libraries, he actually read a book that was very similar to Crowley's called Magic Theory and Practice, Magic Theory, Plagic, and Logic. There's something similar entitled to Crowley's, and he underlined that and read it heavily and talked about, you know, being an avatar for a new era, and I think Crowley was like that as well. And all these other guys, L. Ron Hubbard really was a, and L, Timothy Leary, for that matter, were agents of incredible social change and changing the lives of the people that they influenced, you know? So yeah, uh, I do think that, I don't know, a TV and the stuff behind it, whether the people are Crowleyites, you know, the reality is that Crowley's doctrines and ideas were not for the middle or lower classes. They were for elitists. Um, it was about making people shameless about what they do, you know, basically cremating their care about other people. And Crowley's statement of the slave shall serve, you know, fits people who are in power. So people behind what well, how many people own the, the television news five, five corporations four corporations something like that so and those are fronts for a lot of economic power as well so i think that if you can avoid watching television or television news you know you're probably better off oh by far you, you know from my experience as somebody who was raised on television the five years not just avoiding it how much uh, uh spiritually intellectually my growth has just blossomed because I just you know and I don't want to take any credit for it. I really do believe God was working on me way back then to wake me up Good. you know what I mean uh, I, uh, that that it really is poison you know if somebody's going to get there's there are forces out there that want to not only control your mind but control the, the outcome of what by controlling your mind which is your actions or inaction, if you will, and um, leave you in a confused and disabled state, if you will. So, especially when it comes to the spiritual warfare that we're under. So, and it's interesting. You so, you, so yeah, we got Crowley. I mean, there's there's just like this network of these guys. They Crowley, and he knew, or there's somehow there's some connection with Hitler or at least some of the Reich and some of the members of the Nazi party, because we, and we look at, um, Kinsey and his relationship with the one Nazi party member who was a pedophile. It seems like all of them are pedophiles too. Every single one of them. There seems to be not only some part of, uh, there's the part of the, the satanic or the dark magic practices which I think a lot of times you just it could a be excuses or because of what we will learn about in Romans one chapter one of what happens when you deny God, God will leave, leave you over to your reprobate mind to, to allow you to do the things that you really want to do. And we see what happens. One of the biggest things that happens is sexual deviancy and, and that this progressive pro- corruption of you sexually. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. I don't know if you... I think so. I mean, I think that all these doctrines corrupt people in all kinds of ways, mentally, spiritually, sexually, all that. And if you look at all those, um, you know, all those people who followed Crowley, they are very, and very strange behaviors. If you look at what I wrote in my book about, uh, about Alfred Kinsey, uh, nobody would ever take anything he ever wrote seriously. I mean, granted... He never opened up any of his research to uh, 
any type of proper analysis, you know, any type of peer review or anything like that. And so you can't really take him seriously. And then you have to ask yourself the question, why is he writing this? What are his goals and what are his aims? Well, they're basically the same as the aims of Crowley, you know, total permissiveness, etc. So, you know, I do see, uh, I do see that Crowley's ideas definitely, uh, you know, influence a lot of people. Well, now then, Kinsey, he was interested in Crowley, wasn't he? I mean, didn't well, he? Was, he sought out Crowley's diaries. Crowley's diaries were something that he wanted to read. Uh, Kinsey was collected all types of strange stuff, all types of film, films and movies and books. And so he was trying to find Crowley's diaries, which I think somebody actually found. And then um, he traveled, Kinsey traveled to Crowley's Abbey of Palima with Kenneth Anger. And there's kind of a famous picture of Kinsey at this abbey with uh, Kenneth Anger, who went on to become kind of a somewhat famous underground uh, filmmaker. Well, yeah, I would say he's got that with the Babylon, uh, Hollywood Babylon. Hollywood Babylon, Lucifer Rising. Lucifer Rising, where his... Kind of strange, yeah, strange stuff. With his boyfriend that's associated with Manson, is that it is? And uh, well, he... Stay, uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, Kenneth Anger's uh, roommate for a time was Bobby Bouzelet. And Bobby Bouzelet, after he left Anger's replace, uh, ended up killing Gary Hinman. And uh, he was in the Manson family. So he was one of the first people caught for murder in the Manson family. So there's a correlation and connection between Anger and Manson. And there's a connection between Manson and the OTO, which I write about in my book. Uh, it was rumored that uh, Manson was a member of a fringe OTO group. That nobody really ever really talks about, and a, and a member of the uh, the process church of the final judgment, and uh, who was also influenced by Crowley. Yeah, that's the process church. What a what a was it? What what did they call the guy named? Um, it was uh, De Grimston. Was well, the guy who started it? Robert De Grimston. Okay. Um, his real name is Moore, but it's basically an offshoot of Scientology. So all these guys became Scientologists, and then they were an offshoot and kind of started their own kind of cult that did all kinds of strange rituals. They were in communication with uh, alien entities who gave them directions, and they were affiliated with uh, the Son of Sam murders, was believed to be a influence from and by the Process Church in New York. <laughs> So there, there, there's, there seems to be these networks out there. Uh, there still are networks. The networks are, are still in existence, believe me. They're still out there shaping reality, helping out their friends, right. engaging secret society, handshakes and agreements. So um, still there. If you look at the West Memphis Three, you can explain part of the reason how he got out was due to the mechanics of secret societies. Damien Eccles is a member of Crowley's OTO. So... Uh, what other members are helping him out? I've done my own research, and uh, so did, 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 did he join it in prison or? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So because he was all right. I would recommend everybody go to my YouTube site, which is a cold investigations, and look at the videos. I have an OTO video there, and explains it in detail that he was an OTO member from the OTO's own website. So they explain. Um, Damien Eccles, his affiliation with the OTO, and the fact that he actually, Damien Eccles actually donated all of his books to an OTO chapter, who then subsequently named the uh, 
the live the OTO library after Damien Eccles. It's known as the Damien Eccles Occult Library. Okay. So, so uh, occult investigations. Go to YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, and I'm going to post it in the chat, and I already have it in the information box. And by the way, it's very interesting, some of the stuff you have there, especially uh, the uh, the folks that knew uh, Hubbard. And, yeah, and all those people who give firsthand accounts of Eleanor Hubbard. Yeah. What a shyster he was, and what a... Uh, I, From the beginning, the con man and sussing people out. I mean, it's very interesting to realize that Hubbard went directly from the Agape Lodge in Pasadena in 1946 to writing Dianetics in 1948 and publishing Scientology in 1950. And his son, uh, L. Ron Hubbard Jr., was there from with his dad from 1950 to 1958 and wrote an insider account of him. Uh, he wrote an unpublished biography about his time with his dad and said that his dad would fondle Alistair Crowley's manuals for the next day's lecture. And in the early lectures, there are it's fairly evident that L. Ron Hubbard knew Crowley. He talks about Crowley in detail. And um, he actually ran across the uh, Book of the Law, Crowley's Book of the Law, while he was in D.C. at an early age in his teens. So um, he was That's very, yeah, he was one of, he was an esotericist. L. Ron now, Hubbard was. Did he grow up in D.C. or did he? He went to George Washington University. And I right. think his parents for a time were in D.C. Right. And I know he failed out. I mean, his records were, Covered up, but he failed out of George Washington. He had terrible grades. Connections to the CIA at all? Family members? Um, it's believed that his, uh, there was a guy, Fletcher Prudy, he was also a JFK researcher. Uh-huh. But he said that uh, he believed that L. Ron Hubbard's war records were fake. And so, and L. Ron Hubbard had strange friends and connections. He was seen over hanging out with Aldous Huxley and all these other people, you know. And so, you don't really know the whole organization of Scientology is a mind control cult. They have very sophisticated sophisticated mind control techniques they use on people who sign up. They actually have a dual purpose. They do all kinds of things where people stare at each other and uh, try to not respond to criticism, and it basically turns them into zombies who don't listen to criticism of Scientology. So uh, it's even worse than that. So people have to wonder where did uh, Hubbard get his ideas to put into Scientology. Scientology is a hodgepodge of all kinds of different uh, occult ideas, Western esoteric stuff, science fiction, and mind control techniques. Now, he, he also knew uh, Parsons, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, they were friends for a while, and they engaged in kind of ritual stuff together. They did what's commonly referred to as the Babylon working together. Um, so they, did they were friends, and they had a bro- breaking apart because of a girl that, was Parsons and then became Hubbard's. And then Hubbard traveled to Florida with Parsons' money and absconded with it, and that was kind of the end of their relationship. And actually, Crowley wrote about it. He wrote and re- reminded, said, sounds like um, Parsons fell for the ordinary confidence trick, you know? So Crowley was very aware of Hubbard's and Parsons' uh, relationship and what was going on. And what was her name? Betty, is that her name? Or Betty? Betty Northrop. Betty Northrop, yeah. Did... did uh... Hubbard marry her or just have a child with her? Is that- she got married for a little bit, and then she said that her husband was insane and left. And I, th- I think they might have had a child. I don't remember perfectly. i got to look it up. North. I don't remember the details of their relationship and uh, how it all ended up. Huh. But, uh, so here we got these. You know, because you start putting these pieces together, just like with uh, 
what Dave is doing with the music scene with guys like Morrison and all those guys coming out of Lower Canyon, and they all have some kind of connection somehow with their military. And I'm just wondering at this point, because I strongly, well, uh, I don't know, that's the, 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 I mean, what, what, did, what did Satan tempt our Lord and Savior with? Uh, all, all the kingdoms of the world or something? Or? Yeah, all the kingdoms of this world. Kingdoms, yeah. And I really think that uh, that literally all these kingdoms of the world you know, are still, you know, the prince of this world. It's been God has allowed it, our sovereign God has allowed it to happen. And that it seems to me that an awful lot of these quote-unquote religious groups are really front groups for, say, the government. Because no. how, how, how could they all know each other? From one east, the East Coast to the West Coast to uh, Germany to Britain. I mean, the only way you could know each other is some, somehow they're being introduced to each other, right? Yeah. I mean, the odds are, I mean, they're just not going to just run across each other. I mean, and then here's the other thing. So uh, Crowley dies in 47. That same right. year, they start throwing out the the things about um, uh, uh, what happened to Roswell and the right. you know the aliens. It looked an awful lot like Crowley's little friend. Crowley Blam, right. Yeah. And then at the same year, that's when Sloan, Herbert Sloan, starts the very first Church of Satan in the country. Interesting. And which is, yeah, I mean, and then I didn't even know this. I didn't have any idea. Just at one point in my life, I was about 14 years ago, I was just, I lived two blocks away from where that church, I had no idea it even existed. And... Um, and then you got the at the same time period, forty seven, forty eight, we're now talking about who else? We're talking about Hubbard and his influence and his his things you know, the and was it Dianetics or whatever it's called? Dianetics and then it became um Scientology. Yeah, Sloan started the Offite Cultus of Satanus. Yeah. From remarkable. In Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. And I had no, and most people don't even know about. It. I didn't even know about it until a couple of years ago. Actually, I think it was me listening to one of your interviews with Biz that made me question. Maybe I ought to look and see what kind of because the things are weird around here in Toledo, Ohio. And there's a reason why John Denver wrote a song about this place. I spend a week one day in Toledo, Ohio, <laughs> and it's not just because it's flat and boring. <laughs> because an awful lot of these. Uh, like Iggy Pop and a lot of the, I, I mean, you know, in the early days, you say uh, the the 20s and 30s, Prohibition, you know, had a lot of the gangsters here and all that kind of stuff, and right. and the rum running and the, you know, the booze running and all that kind of stuff. But then I just, so many of these, what's going on in Cleveland and Detroit and just... You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, the west, you know, the the left coast." That's oh, they're really, uh, you know, really far out and le- you know, liberal and all that kind of stuff. And and then people think, oh, you know, that the the Great Lakes region is some kind of some kind of uh, the heart of the. Maybe it is literally the heart of the country, the heart of it all, but not what you and I think it is, because there's an awful lot of. Well, I mean, why? 
Cleveland, Ohio, of all places, is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. Interesting, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. I mean, why did they prop up LeBron James, King James, this year? I mean, what's going on with Johnny Depp? You just had well, a crazy. You just had a massive meltdown. Meltdown uh, with his, uh, you know, girlfriend or wife, and uh, cut off top the tip of his finger. And I haven't really seen him with uh, with the convicted child killer Damian Eccles recently, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He's probably just trying to figure out what his next step is now after his divorce got finalized. Yeah. So, is it too early to speculate or to, <laughs> to premature? I don't know what to think. I mean, I know he's playing music with the Hollywood vampires, but, you know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what his next step is. And his club is a viper? A viper room, yeah. Which, I mean, we know in the Bible, I mean, what does Jesus, he calls the children of Satan, you know, the, the children of the vipers, devil. Yeah. yeah, a brood of vipers. And so, yeah, and, you know, why would he name his club with the viper? Well, the the story is, is that when people, back in the day when it was kind of a speakeasy and people were playing music in the kind of uh, smoky room, when they would move side to side, they looked like vipers and so or snakes. And so that's how the place got its name, the viper room. Oh, that's, okay. the kind of, that's the story about it. Does that doesn't make much, too much sense to me, but okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know either, but that's what I read. So I don't, I don't, whatever you read doesn't mean it's true. No, very rarely is it. Uh, so... Uh, and then David Eccles, I know that you've been doing a lot of work on him and really spent a lot of time exposing him. And he was in all places Salem. Right. Well, he so he got out. Actually, it's interesting that our um, interview takes place today because today is the day, five years to the day that the West Memphis Three got out of jail and uh, got out of jail in West Memphis or in Arkansas. And I can't remember. No, there no Jones Park. Oh, yeah. So today is the day. And... Uh, Right after he got out, he moved to Salem, uh, Massachusetts, because that's where he felt safe. And there, there was a common theme that ran through the uh, entirety of that trial. It's supposedly a witch hunt, and all these people were conservative Christians out to get them, and all this blah, blah, blah stuff. And so it's fine, interesting that he went to the place of witches, and then he got driven out of there. He actually didn't know that uh, a guy who was the son of the writer of The Exorcist lived there, a guy by the name of Blatty, who uh, exposed Eccles pretty much right away. And there was a huge kind of conflict between him and his, his people who understood the court records of Eccles and Eccles followers in Salem, and then he eventually left, and now he's in New York. But uh, he started up some kind of hermetic Reiki card-reading tarot thing in Salem for a while, but I think he and his wife were there for about a year, year and a half. Hermetic card reading. Isn't Hermes yeah. like another name for Satan? Yeah, something like that. The deliverer of the gods is Hermes. Or Hermes. Hermetic also means like sealed, so it's supposed to be like secret. But I think it's called Reiki is what he was doing, R-E-I-K-I, which is supposedly hand energy work or something like that. Interesting. So, yeah, very interesting. I, I kind of followed that whole thing and got to know Mike Blatty, the son of Peter Blatty. He wrote The Exorcist pretty well. Because we, the people, there's a very small group smaller group of people who recognize that the West Memphis Three are guilty, they remain guilty to this day, that they were never exonerated, and all of their, many of their statements just don't hold water. They don't make any sense. They, 
you know, they claim that they were railroaded and all this other stuff. But if you look at the court records and you look at things, and uh, it's pretty clear that they were the proper suspects and they were properly found guilty. Um, and the police did their homework. And um, there's actually a psych case called Exhibit 500, which you can read at my YouTube site um, at Cold Investigations on YouTube. And it goes in detail about Eccles' um, psych history. He was in three mental institutions prior to the murders. And he was having strange ideations. He wanted to kill and eat his parents. He was drinking blood. He was threatening other people. Um, they have detailed psych cases. It's 500 pages long. And that psych history was actually compiled by the defense. It was compiled by his lawyers, which uh, people love to forget. But his lawyers put it together for his death penalty trial so that uh, they could say that, hey, this guy isn't well. And it didn't work. And he was still put to death. Um, so... Uh, Eccles is in New York. He actually wrote on his Instagram that he wanted to turn uh, New York into a giant magical antennae, so some kind of magical power hub. Um, how he's going to do that, I have no idea. But it's interesting that if you're a child rapist, um, you can get put on some kind of list as a, uh, a molester of children. But if you kill them, you're not. So I don't know how many people in New York know that they have a convicted child killer um, living in their city. Yeah, and, and a rapist, too. Child, well, that's what, that's what the testimony of Jesse Miss Kelly, who um, confessed to killing, him over, killing the children over and over again, post-conviction, mind you, recorded on uh, things which you can see at my, on my YouTube channel, that he says they did it. They all, they all confessed to it one time or another, actually, believe it or not. So um, their plea deal, when they took an all offer plea, part of the deal is, is basically admitting that the state has enough evidence to potentially convict them. Um, so they actually wrote on a dotted line five years ago or a few days before five years ago that they were guilty. So they're actually kind of a rarity in the criminal law in the sense that they were found guilty in 1994 and then guilty again in 2011. So they're double guilty. And they're actually under probation right now for 10 years. So they're halfway through their probation and it requires them to do certain things, can't get any trouble, or they have to get jobs, stuff like that. Huh. It's a remarkable case because it involves all these celebrities who worked hard to uh, create, you know, shape public opinion and um, get the best lawyers and get all this payment. And all these people who support them were Henry Rollins, Johnny Depp, um, Margaret Cho, Dave Navarro, um, the lead singer, Eddie, Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl Jam. So all these people, you know, uh, Natalie Maines, who's from the Dixie Chicks, these people donated tons of money. Uh, there's a video on my YouTube page at Occult Investigations of Henry Rollins admitting how much money they raised to get these guys out. And the sum is estimated somewhere to be between 10 or $20 million. Now imagine what you can do for a court case if you have that kind of money. You get the best attorneys, which they did, you get a very skilled public relations person by the name of Lonnie Sori in New York who uh, has tons of really high-end clients. And you um, can also just manipulate public opinion through a variety of different means, especially if you have a group of people um, who are willing to take a risk for uh, the benefit. So Damien Eccles is really part of a social movement. It also it shows like there's this phenomenon happening right now in our general culture where people are analyzing these court cases and getting them all wrong. Uh, for example, the 
in my opinion, the Paradise Lost uh, films left out tons of information, just like the making of a murder, which uh, took place up there involving the Avery um, and Daffy, who just supposedly got his stuff overturned. I was reading my the social media stuff, and people were like, yay, D- Daffy got out, yay. Guys, Daffy got out because of a Fourth and Fifth Amendment violation. He got out for constitutional reasons, not because he ever said anything that was dis- dishonest. They just knew he was 17 and not very smart. I haven't read the judge's opinion. But that guy had a long sit-down video admission where he recounted the whole crime. I mean, come on. Don't be, don't be, I mean, don't people get that part of the case that these guys admit to doing it? So sure. it's part of a phenomenon. Also, Serial, which is a big-time, kind of a very popular podcast. These people come in and get involved in these cases, and, and there's, there's true, crime, uh, true crime people out there who just think that these documentaries or these people who are involved in kind of juicing up or putting some sizzle on these cases have something new or are telling the full uh, side of the story, which then influences public opinion, which then influences the legal system. And it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. And people, I don't think, have put a, a finger on what's happening because it's actually, uh, particularly in the West Memphis Street case, causing an injustice. Now, what about the judge involved in that? Was he showed any kind of sympathy towards these boys in any way, shape, or form? Well, they say that he was supposedly like a hanging judge. I forgot his name right now, but yeah, it's all kind of silly. I think the thing was is that judge was on the case and kind of monitoring the case for like 18 years, and then a new judge and the new prosecutor came in on the West Memphis Three, and the, the and, you know with all this kind of power and great new lawyers. So you, you think know, that, that some of that, that, that money that was raised was potentially was used to buy their freedom? And, so, uh, legally. I mean, you're, you got a you got, you got lawyer background. What are the odds of that happening? I mean, it's, it's a very unusual case. But, you know, there are other cases where celebrities have gotten involved in murder cases or other criminal cases and, and influenced uh, the courts. Um, I talk about them in my book, and uh, you know you see these these uh, these attorneys get it. these attorneys can change things, and I think that if you pay for some of the best lawyers in the country, the guy who worked on the West Memphis Three case was a guy who worked on the Barry Bonds case. He was a superb lawyer. They found the best appellate attorney they could find, literally one of the best in the country, and he um, he actually fought. The, the courts based upon a law that inv- allowed for the invo- uh, for DNA evidence because there was no DNA evidence. And they, that's what was bringing on a new trial was this kind of new DNA evidence that they supposedly were going to proffer or put into the case. And uh, the, uh, the reality is, is that they were, they were actually headed for a new trial that they rejected by taking a plea deal. And like, for example, the Mumia Albu-Jamal was one of the, uh, is like this cause celebrity case. One is Ralph Unterwager, who was a kind of a, a darling of the, uh, of the, the, these guys in Austria who turned out to be a murderer. Another was Jack Abbott, who wrote it in the belly of the beast. And Norman Mailer and all these other people got involved to help get him out. And he went out and killed again. Um, like Susan Sarandon and Christopher Walken were involved in that case. So those are two examples for, you know, how these cause celebrity killers actually can get out. 
It's almost like because it's like it's like a, a legal obligation to their handlers and to Satan himself, if you will, uh, the demons that they channel and worship. That they're they're obligated to come to the defense of one of their fellow Satanists. That's what the impression I get. Well, it sure. I can't. I can't, sure. I can't. I can't think of any other reason why any it of sure them looks that way. Because yeah. you know, this whole thing about left and right paradigm is nonsense. What else would they be there for? Right. Except well, I think that that, when I first looked at this case, um, it was pretty clear, I, you know, there was clearly something wrong with the case, but I didn't understand the whole social movement aspect and why all these Hollywood people got involved. I didn't know anything about Johnny Depp, didn't know anything about Henry Rollins or Eddie Vedder, but the more I read about them, the worse it got. And, you know, I'm convinced about certain things. The lawyer that they got was by the name of Dennis Reardon. Nicknamed the Last Hope, Reardon consistently ranked as one of the nation's top appellate players. Huh. Um, so he actually got Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds hired Reardon to defend him in a federal trial involving allegations. Allegations he perjured himself before a federal grand jury in 2003, where he testified that he never used steroids. Convicted of only one um, obstruction of justice charge, Bonds received a mere 30 days of house arrest, two years of probation, and 250 hours of community service. So. You know, he was also hired by Phil, uh, Phil Spector. And uh, that was a great lawyer, man. I, and then, you know, the other thing about the case is they got John Douglas to say all this absurd stuff about them as well. John Douglas is an FBI profiler. Um, if people actually knew what he said about that case, they would literally roll around on the floor laughing. He just said ridiculous stuff that didn't have any basis in fact. Um, what, what about... Uh Hunter S. Thompson and all this. Is any involvement in any of these groups, guys? I mean, I know he oh, was no. like... You know, you don't know, know. He, but he was friends with Depp. I mean, Depp called him like his father, so... And, yeah, um, he, you know, there's a connection from, from Thompson to Depp to Eccles, you know? And we know that he is accused with the... Uh, once again, with the... Oh, the uh, Franklin, Franklin cover? Yeah, yeah. and they just... Uh, he was a creepy dude, man. And and, and let's face it, he, Johnny Depp's a creepy dude as well. Very. <laughs> Which is darn to think, because, you know, one time when I was a young man, I really liked him in his acting, you know, and I was like, well, I liked him in Edward Scissor's hand, and I liked him in, as a dead man, and dead man, I think this was. And uh, I mean, first thing, I was a man of the world, and I didn't know any better. I was raised. Well, I, I was watching an interview with him just the other day, and I said, man, this is a young healthy, good-looking guy, seems nice. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he went or what happened, but he doesn't seem to be what he was 15, 20 years ago. No, it's just, it's almost like these guys, they progressively, and then you look at uh, going back to Scientology and Hubbard and and the actors in Hollywood there, and they're, you know, like Travolta and, um, oh, what's his name? Tom Cruise and all these other guys, you know, that seem to be it's like something happens to them. It's like there's a uh, as they, it's like as you progressively get older in life and you are being without Christ and Him stabilizing you, you will become a nut. I know this because before I, I was a man of the world, and I know I, I you know since I've the Lord got a hold of me, I have the, 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 even the notion of even like. Uh, you know, life sucks, and you know, oh, you know what I mean? And I've gone through a lot of stuff since I've known the Lord, you know what I mean? He's really, a lot, a lot of things to be thrown at me 
that challenged me, that forced me to fall on my knees and praise him and, and pray to him. And prior to that, just being a man of the world, and I not, you know, I wasn't involved with anything. I mean, I got into AA, which then led me into the Unity Church with some low-grade form of uh, Luciferianism, another form of like Scientology and all that kind of stuff, another false religion. Which a lot of folks in AA, that's what they end up doing. They end up getting into the spiritualism. When I lived in England, I was in there for like three years, and I'll tell you one thing. There was one thing you could eat that was fine in just about every, outside of a pub, every town had their own spiritualist church, too. I just, that was something that really blew me away. And spiritualism is really big in, around the Great Lakes regions and all that. So, But anyways... Uh, I, none of that stuff ever worked, and things of this world, you know what I mean? Right. It's shrink and all that other stuff. And it was only a temporary fix, but the same old Mike would come back, the fallen man, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and since I've come to know the Lord, I mean, uh, the fear is gone. My worries uh, have diminished greatly. I put my faith in the Lord, and it's a real thing. It's not some psychological thing. Or somebody's trying to convince me some way that might, you know, trigger a switch, and 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 magically, I'll, for the rest of my life, and of course, the magically is always part of this, whether it's Scientology or whatever. Uh, it's this, it's magic, and what is magic really? It's based on what uh, imagery, sex, uh, delusion, an illusion that things are not what they are, are not if that makes any sense. So as long as you're, you feel good, you know, feelings, as long as I'm feeling good instead of really just being, knowing what joy really is, is basically being at peace for wherever you're at. You know what I mean? Whether you live in a nice home or have a good job or you, you're done. And right now I don't live in a great place. Financially, I'm in a lot of hurt and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? It's okay. God provides, just like He said, every day, yep. one day at a time. And so, all praise and glory go to God. So, I know the question I want to ask you is how is this journey? Because you're you're spending an awful lot of time dealing with this shady, dark underbelly of this world. How has that affected your relationship with Christ? Uh, I think it's only strengthened it. You know, I think that for sure the uh, the it confirms to me everything that's in the Bible is legitimate. You know, because I see this contest that takes place in men's souls is played out in the world. And Crowley himself was a person who, you know, said that I'm going to overthrow Christianity, that I'm I am going to become the Satan's chief of staff, and you know, I think he achieved what he wanted to, and I think all that stuff just verifies by looking into the left-hand path. It verifies everything that Christ said, the, the difference between the sheep and the goats, the difference between the wheat and the tares. And so for me, it's only strengthened. I, I, don't, I don't feel like it was negative. I feel like also my, my interest that is really... Um, you know, it's not some lifelong interest. It was something that cropped up from 9-11. Right. It is worthwhile. I think that I'm uh, telling other people to be careful of this. I don't, I'm not an admirer of Crowley. I've never said that. And I think that by exposing him and the people who are influenced by them, 
uh, not just verifies to other people to keep an eye on, you know? Well, this is the thing, too, is, you know, John 17 talks about how Christ talks about praying his prayer to our Heavenly Father and and verifies that he will not lose, not one of his, not one of his children will he lose. This is a guarantee, a promise from Christ. And so when you look at what's going on in this world, it's like you said, it does verify things. And what is Crowley, what is he really doing? If you know that he's not going to win... Or guys like Crowley and all these other guys, uh, Hubbard and all that. They might take a guy like myself and lead me down all these endless paths, these dead ends, and God will use it for his own good to bring us back to him. I really believe this um, because the Bible says it and God says it. So, And from my own experience when I've talked to others. So what is Crowley really accomplishing? I think he's only, in a way, God is using guys like Crowley or all the other charlatans out there, whether it's Joseph Smith or Bill Wilson from AA or uh, you name them. We'd already name a half dozen array in this show. They're just yeah. absolute charlatans pretending mm-hmm. to, yeah. And really? perverts, it's really, it's, it's a form of condemning themselves and the condemning those, which we mentioned earlier, the goats. You know, they, they might lead you and I astray for a little bit, but God's not going to lose us. If you're one of his, he's not going to lose us. And that's what's really affirming to me is that there really is this power strip, like you're saying. And it really is a spiritual battle. Because, you know, if you look at it in earthly temple terms, you're going to go, well, this this has, has to be all about money, or this has to be all about power, but right. the more you realize it, it's a real, it has to be something even greater. What motivates what motivates the Memphis Three to get to a point? Because it was a gradual build-up that got them to such a point that they thought it was perfectly uh, acceptable, normal, and desirous to kill three eight-year-old boys. It led up to it. If you look at the, the everything that was leading up to that event on May 5th, 1993, they were sacrificing dogs, like Jesse Miskelly said, and they were into all kinds of depravity and evil. They had raped some girl or sexually assaulted some girl out at a place they called Stonehenge. And uh, so I think that that is, was the next step. I mean, it's kind of like the final step for all these occultists is human sacrifice. And uh, Crowley wrote about it, Child Sacrifice. And I think that that is kind of what uh, people who really are occultists lead their way up to, is to uh, engage in that kind of behavior. And it seems like every one of these guys that we've talked about, just about, just about everybody we talked about, at some point was involved with the pedophile, you know, raping or doing something to children. There's a lot of them there. I mean, I think that if you look at Kinsey, Crowley, some of these other people, there's definitely this kind of strain of pedophilia that goes in there, no question. So I, I just my my conviction is this: that without Christ, and we and you know I probably know we know some 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 gentlemen that are not very religious or would say they don't really believe in Christ, and for some reason God has kept them at bay to a certain point. But for the average man, without the Spirit of God and something 
if, if, to not only restrain them, but to actually change their heart of stone to heart of flesh, are capable. In fact, let's put it this way: we're all capable of that without Christ. We'll just put it that way: without Christ and Him changing us. If we look at the history of mankind, over and over again, we just hear over and over again of the same thing: oh, you know, just one atrocity after another, and. I guess if there's one message that I would like to get out to anybody who hears this, is that there is an answer, and it's, and it's it is Jesus Christ. It is really to read the Word of God and really fall on your face and ask for faith, ask for knowledge that he that he is real, and he it, it is it's true. Which is what I find mind blowing because if you're like three years ago. William, I didn't believe. I what was did like you believe else. before Christ? What did you believe? Oh, I believed in my. Uh, what? Who did I believe? I believed in myself. Interesting. So you. <laughs> I, were, in fact, uh, I was. If anything, you know, this is how pathetic I was as time went on. Because God really let me sink low. I didn't sink to the low that the depravities of what the men that we're talking about. Did. Thank you, God, that you know, I didn't have to. Uh, but, you know, um, like I was actually listening to all the people like Michael Desarian. And like, wow, this guy really knows a lot of what he's talking about. Only to find out later that he was a con, he's a con artist. And God was using all these people and these voices, you know, people that were pushing things like Gnosticism and and that kind of stuff. Because, you know, I thought, well, maybe if I just think my way out of this, you know what I mean? If I just learn as much as I can, maybe I can get myself out of the mess that I'm in. Change my diet, this, that, and everything else. And somehow I could fix my situation. I finally got to the point that, oh my gosh, this world really is evil. This Satan must be real. There has to be a solution to this. And that's when I finally fell on my knees and said, and God, please tell me the truth. If you're real and Jesus real, let me know. And that was the journey. You know, and a few weeks later, I'm getting baptized in a, in a pond by some guy that I knew that was a janitor at some church down the road. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm making my commitment. I'm going. And the thing is, I haven't turned back since. But believe me, there have been times that I wanted to turn back, but God doesn't let us turn back. <laughs> if you want to hear this. So anyways... Yeah, hey, listen, I really enjoyed this, the time. I know you've been, it's Friday and it's probably had a busy. So this is the fifth anniversary of the Memphis 3. Release, yep, the same day. You can go to my YouTube. Uh, I always post a lot of stuff on my Facebook page under William Ramsey. If people want to take a look at that, I always post post my old kind of posts to get recycled every once in a while. So I actually have a post on there about their release today. So if you go to Facebook and check that out, William Ramsey. And, uh, yeah, my YouTube uh, station, please go and subscribe. Occult Investigations, I have tons of West Memphis 3 videos there that if people want to research the case themselves, I highly suggest you check them out because uh, you'll see information there that you won't see on biased HBO docu- mockumentaries, really. <laughs> so what, what other shows you got coming up? Uh, I'm doing now, I'm doing a, a weekly show on Awake Radio. So tomorrow I'm talking about, I'm talking with somebody who was a 
kind of a uh, refugee from a satanic family, and his name's David Scherter. That'll be on 7 o'clock tomorrow on Awake Radio. People want to check that out. Uh, but I'll be on there recurring uh, once a week. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to have you come back on my show again, Wilmy, if you've got some time. Sounds okay. like, you know, Brothers in Christ. and You know, I can share more about my experience, about things like unity and all that kind of stuff. And right. of course, before, you know, I, I really went down a dark path, but somehow... God just kept me at being a, a terrible womanizer and a self-centered first man. Your typical worldly man, you know what I mean? <laughs> Good, well, but, uh, you know, it was unity uh, and stuff like that and my experience with, like, doing the secret and visualization and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know. I had no idea. And this is what was going on, too, Williams. So there's a lot of people like me, just like you hear, like, some of these people that were hanging out with Hubbard, that they were just young people that didn't know what was going on. They just... Right. They didn't understand the totality of what was happening, no question. Right, and and God had, you know, allowed the the veil to be over, and the blinders to be over my eyes, so I didn't really see what was going on for me. And, uh, you know, I was hanging out with a lot of these, uh, even old-timers in the AA, the program, you know, because it came out of, one more thing, it came out of Ohio. And then the Rockefellers involved in all this nonsense, too. I don't know if you looked into that very much, but I'd like to talk to you more about all that kind of stuff, too. Love to, man, anytime. So, but I don't want to, you know, run over too much for you. Cool, so, man. All right, thank you. Well, thanks very for having much. me on your show, Mike. God bless you, and I appreciate. Yeah, it. that's good. And all by right. the way, I I do uh, I did have that email from from Viz, but I, I don't think it's necessary. Out of respect to him, I don't think I'm going to say too much about it, except that I guess that uh, he said Victor Thornton. Did have? I guess he did have a bit of a dark side to him. That's all I'm thinking to say. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know him very well at all. I just read some of his stuff, and uh, you know, I, I just know that he died, and he was a Clinton critic. So I'm just curious about what happened. I really don't know what the true story is. Seems right. strange. I mean, the guy who says he's never going to commit suicide commits suicide. Seems odd. It is a little bit strange, doesn't it? I don't know. Timing is very interesting. That's for very time. The timing, especially when other people are popping up dead. You know, it's weird. Like who? Uh, Mark Rich, the lawyer for Ju- Julian Assange, was pushed in front of a a uh, train in London. Julian Assange is afraid of getting uh, killed. The uh, Hillary's guy from the UN who was supposed to testify, he died. Victor Thorne. Um, well, there was another guy who was a Democrat DNC operative who passed away, Morongo, Morano, or something like that. So, you know, huh. so some pretty sketchy things. Look up the uh, Mark Rich. I think it's Mark Rich. Is that right? Let me find his name. Mark. No, that's not the right name. Let me figure it out. His name is Is it Mark Rich, like some guy from the past? Yeah, he was a he was a financier. Okay. Seth Rich was his name. Yes. DNC analyst. Uh, you can look him up. Then there was he was shot in the back at like four o'clock in the morning. And uh 
it's just a lot of people. Sean Lucas was another guy. He was a 38-year-old guy who found dead August 2nd. He was a he was a process server for the DNC lawsuit, a lawsuit between um, supposedly uh, uh, between Sanders and the DNC, and he ended up dead. He, they don't his family isn't even talking. You know, I, I'm so grateful that Christ has got a hold of me, and that you know what, I don't know how you feel about things, but I don't fear any of that. Yeah, I just think I, you know. My life's eternal, and I can't wait to be with my. I'm like Paul, because I can't wait to be with my Lord. Not that I have a death wish, but at the same token, I'm not worried about dying, because there's a good place to live. <laughs> this place, and that this staying cold. All right, man. I think that's a good way to end it, right there. Okay, man. All right, Mike. You take good care. Good night, man. God bless. All right. William Ramsey.